Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to have everybody here at uh, Harnage Messianic Synagogue. We're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to start with our normal greetings. It's already the afternoon, 12.30, so we say Tzahoraim Tovim. And I want to welcome everybody, right? So we, we want to welcome everybody, not just with a welcome, but with shalom, with peace. And you know what? Shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means wholeness of life. And so shalom alechem to everybody. Hallelujah. Wow, that's a boomerang. I love that. It's a boomerang. Um, and of course, Shabbat Shalom to everybody. Shabbat Shalom. Um, it's good to be back, guys. Uh, my apologies for not being here the past couple of weeks. Uh, first, we were to town. We were getting our scans up in Houston. Well, I was getting my scans up in Houston. Baruch Hashem. Things, uh, things are looking good. Um, still alive and kicking. And uh, hopefully that stays for a long time. And then last week, unfortunately, we did not, I did not feel well. So we did not feel well. So um, but we're here today. Hallelujah. Amen. Good to be back with everybody. Um, today we're going to be learning about the father who sold or could, who could sell his daughter into slavery. Yay! <laughs> So, um, Bezrah Hashem, with God's help, our eyes will be opened to the truth about Torah, and we have to always remember, doesn't matter how strange some commandments sound, in our modern era, that sounds like primitive, right? Like, what on earth is that about, <laughs> right? But you got to understand, who gave it? Who gave it? Hashem. Right? Hashem gave it. So if we were to question the commandment of his, right? We're questioning Hashem. Right? And unfortunately, such mitzvot as these are the ones that are used as an excuse, right? To not follow Torah. Right? Uh, Oh, no. See, that's why we need Christ. Right? Because he he nailed the, the... the commandment, the law to the, to the cross and all this, right? Uh, I'm sorry, but no, he didn't. How can he nail himself? Isn't he that Torah? How can the Torah nail the Torah? Hello, right? So you got to understand that there's no getting rid of his law. Amen? Thank God, right? Thank God. But today we're going to study this. And Hashem, our eyes will be open. And we'll see that, wow, this is all God's mercy and grace. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray a bracha before. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Yisrael. Imru? Hallelujah. We're going to be in Shemot chapter 20, verse 23. We're going to start with the last verse in last week's parasha. And then we're going to jump ahead to the first verse in this week's parasha. Uh, if you've learned anything from us here, is that context, context, context is everything with Torah. Amen? With all the scripture, you need context. What's going on? What? Why is, why is this commandment established here of all places, 
right? And what's the way to find out is what was stated before and what is stated after. Amen? That is how we figure out context. And without it, the Torah can sound like whatever we want it to sound. Okay? And so we're going to start with the context. The uh, Shemot 2023. This is what it says. It says, You shall not ascend my altar on steps, so that your nakedness will not be uncovered upon it. That's how the last week's parashah ended. So it, this is a commandment to the Kohanim, to the, to the priests, that are going to be climbing the altar. Just so you know, I don't have a picture, just kind of visualize it a little bit here. So it's kind of like this. It's like this, right? It's a ramp, and they go up, and then the altar is actually right here. Okay, so it's way up here. Now, Hashem commanded no ladders. You're not going to take any steps. You're not going to put a ladder here and go straight up. You're not going to do that. You're going to instead go up a ramp. This is kind of steep. Maybe about like that. Okay? You're going to go up a ramp. That's the commandment. Okay? And it says the reason. So that your nakedness will not be uncovered upon it. Okay? Now, skip to today's first verse. This, this week's Parashat uh, Mishpatim. The first verse is Shemot 21.1. The, the verse right next to it. And these are the ordinances, the mishpatim, ha-mishpatim, that you shall place before them, before the people. Now, to understand this, we need the oral Torah. Okay, again, I can't emphasize enough, and you guys might be sick of me saying this, and you're going to get sicker, because I'm not going to stop saying it. <laughs> okay, without the oral Torah, it is impossible, impossible to understand the written Torah. You know why? Because God gave both at the same time. That's why. He gave one. Listen, the Talmud by itself, the, Bab the Talmud Bavli, the, the Babylonian Talmud, it's written in, ba in, in Babylon. Do you know how many volumes that is? 72 volumes. Okay? And th th they're thick. Okay? Take a long time to read. You will spend a lifetime reading the Talmud. Okay? If somebody ever tells you, hey, uh, I read the Talmud the other day, or I read the, I read the Talmud. Uh, really, bro? <laughs> really? There's sages that take the whole lives to read the Talmud. It's 72 or 70, 73 volumes. 73 volumes. Um, so we need to dig into that. Okay? Another part of the oral Torah is the Midrash Shabbat, which we quote here frequently. We're going to learn from the Midrash Shabbat today and other sources. Okay, so we're going to start with Shemot Rabbah 20 and 30 and 2. It says this. There's a direct correlation, direct correlation between these two verses. The end of the parasha and the beginning, last week's parasha and the beginning of this parasha. Yitro last week, Mishpatim this week. Okay? The Midrash points out that the nakedness of the Kohanim would not be uncovered even if they had ladders. So, I thought that was the whole purpose. Right? So you're going, up a, you're, going, you're going up the ramp instead of the ladders, right? So that your nakedness is not exposed. Right? But then, the Midrash points out that even if you had ladders, if you, if you disobey the commandment, and you put a ladder, and you're climbing up steps, the nakedness of the Kohanim would not be exposed. You know why? Because the commandment, another commandment says, Kohanim you are to wear linen breeches. You know what those are? Hanes. Fruit of the loom. 
Actually, Fruit of the Loom is cotton, so forget that. They're linen, okay? They're linen. Um, so regardless, the nakedness will not be exposed because they're always wearing underwear. Do you understand that? So there's, there's something deeper here. Always something deeper. So now, the Midrash is going to explain. Rav, Rav Avinah said, the juxtaposition of these two verses teaches that just as the Holy One, blessed is He, cautions the Kohanim that they should not take, listen to this, broad steps. Everybody say broad steps. Broad. If you guys have been on ladders, I'm pretty sure you guys have been on a ladder, right? Either a, a large ladder, like one of those A-frame ladders, or, you know, a little ladder, a little step ladder. Uh, those ten, when you take a step from one step to the next, they're broad steps, right? Because you're trying to get up as quickly as you can. Right? They're broad steps. So, what the real meaning here is that Kohanim should not take broad steps to go up to the altar to make the sacrifices, but should walk in a shortened pace. So does the Holy One, blessed is He, blessed is he warn the judges of Israel that they should not take broad steps in judgment? Because what are we talking about? The Mishpatim. What are the Mishpatim? They're ordinances. What are ordinances? Civil laws. How am I going to relate to my wife? How are we going to relate to other couples? How is, am I going to relate to a stranger? How is a stranger going to re- relate to a foreigner? So on and so forth. How are we going to relate to each other? Civil laws, everybody has them. We have them here in the RGV. We have them everywhere in the, in the, in the whole world. They're civil laws, right? So instead of walking like this on a ladder, right? Right? This is literally how they're walking up the ramp instead. Heel to toe. Heel to toe, back part of the foot to the front part of the foot. You see that? Short, precise steps. That's literally how they would walk up to the altar. Heel to toe. I know, I know I'm very familiar with heel to toe. I, I coached offensive line, the blockers. I always say, hey guys, heel to toe, heel to toe. Okay. Wrong, wrong, wrong arm, it's been a while. Right, wrong arm. Three point stance, right? Or two point stance or whatever. Um, so, as you walk up, don't rush as you would on a ladder. You got to be slow and deliberate to offer the sacrifices in my presence. Okay? In the same way, that's the real, that's the real reason for the commandment. Okay? To go up the, the ramp instead of, instead of steps. It's not about the nakedness necessarily. Hope you guys are with me. And this, by the same token, now we go to the first verse here, and now we're talking about ordinances. Who is going to determine if you broke an ordinance? A judge. This is all about the judges right here. So judges, in your judgment, likewise be slow and deliberate. Take those slow steps. Don't rush to judgment. And all this parasha is all about that. And I don't have time to get into all that. There's so many <laughs> commandments in here about this. Listen, what about us? How does it apply to us? Salud. We, likewise, are to judge our own motives and our own actions slowly and deliberately. We are not to take wide steps that would expose our spiritual nakedness, so to speak, rushing to judgment, rushing to do something that maybe we shouldn't be doing. Oh, God, I, I got invited to this party. Let's go, right? You know what? Uh, I got asked to go hang out with these people. 
let's go. Yes, they're cool. They're the cool people. Let's go. Right? I got asked to do this, that, or the other. Yes. Well, hold, hold on. Hold on. Be slow and deliberate. If I go there, is that the right environment for a Jew? Right? For a Jew in Yeshua, is that the right environment? Is this going to help me grow or am I going to be tempted in this place among these people in this situation? Do you hear what I'm saying? You gotta be, we got to be slow and deliberate in our deeds and in our motives, right? Somebody walks into your home, somebody walks into your classroom, somebody walks into the shul, somebody walks into wherever, right? And then they're acting in a, in a different way than you would normally act, right? Maybe they're real abrasive or whatever, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, why don't you just stay home? Like, you know, we, we start thinking all these, all these things, right? We start making judgments. And what is the message here? It's slow down. Slow down. Take slow and deliberate steps in your motives, in your heart. You know what? Maybe they're just having a bad day. Maybe they just need someone to say hi and smile to them. Maybe that's all they need. Does that make sense? We just got to be slow and deliberate. It's a point. Now, most people though, in the religious world have no Jewish context, context at all when it comes to studying the Bible. Right? Any amends there? Right. There's no Jewish context. There's a Gentile context, a non-Jewish context, but the problem is that the book is Jewish. Right? If I'm going to move to Albania, I just, that just popped into my head, Albania. Think of a country, A, right? Albania. And I go to Albania, right? And I take my 956 attitude and my 956 worldview, right? And my RGV, you know, whatever, lifestyle and, and uh, habits. And I go to Albania, right? And I, I say to everybody, I notice that nobody's doing what I'm doing. And I go up to them and tell I'm sorry, you're doing it wrong. I'm sorry, Mr. Albanian, you're doing it wrong. This is how we do it in the RGV. And they're going to turn around and tell me, uh, you are not in the RGV, but <laughs> you're in Albania now. Right? <laughs> That's the same thing with the Torah. We expect to, to learn it from a completely foreign mindset and culture. And, and put, uh, no, 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 that's not what this, no, no, see, oh, it's saying to sell a, a daughter into slavery? Oh, no, that means we got to get rid of it. It's wrong. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right? That's called jumping to conclusion. That's called taking a broad step. Got to be slow and deliberate in how we interpret the Torah. And you know what? We can't interpret it. Do you hear what I'm saying? We, you, me, I can't interpret it. No way, no how. I need the sages. I need the oral Torah. Hashem gave it to Moshe at Sinai. He passed it down to the elders, the elders down to the prophets, the prophets down to the men of the great assembly, the men of the great assembly to those that actually put down the Torah on paper, down to us today. So, all that said, <laughs> to point out that we're going to look at a, a particular mishpat. Ever say mishpat? Mishpat is an ordinance. Singular, mishpatim, you got the I-M, that's plural now. That's the title of the, of the parashat. So we're looking at one mishpat that without a Jewish context, indeed sounds barbaric. It sounds cold-hearted. 
but it's full of God's mercy and grace. Let's go there. Shemot 21, verse 7. By the way, verses 2 through 6, last year when we studied Mishpatim, we expounded on that, on that bondsman or that slave. I recommend you guys uh, check that teaching out from last year. Uh, but this year we're focusing on verse 7. This is what it says. If a man will sell his daughter as a bondswoman. No, let's stop. Let's just look at that right there. Let's just digest that for a second. If a man would sell sells his daughter as a bondswoman. Now, is it a commandment saying, hey guys, you all, I need you all to sell your, your, your daughter to, you know, as a bondswoman. I need you to do that, please. Can you please do that? That's a commandment. No, 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 no. It's saying, if you're going to do that, which means what? I'm allowing you to do that under certain extreme circumstances, which we're going to get to here in just a moment. If a man will sell his daughter as a bondswoman, she shall not leave like the leave-taking of the slaves. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master, who should have designated her for himself, he shall assist in her redemption. He shall not have the power to sell her to a strange man, for he had betrayed her. If he had designated her for his son, he shall deal with her according to the rights of the young women. If he shall take another in addition to her, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital relationship. If he does not perform these three for her, she shall leave free of charge without payment. That's what we're going to study today. Now, Rambam. There's two Ram. There's a Rambam and a Ramban. Okay? Two different individuals. Okay? Rambam, with an M, wrote something called a Mishneh Torah. Mishneh Torah. In the Mishneh Torah, in Avadim 5.2, this is what he states. This law is specifically designated for a father who was poverty-stricken. You hear that? Poverty-stricken, who, listen, he had already sold the last item of clothing that anybody would buy. That's how desperate he is. He's selling everything. He's, getting, he's cleaning house because he can't, he can't afford anything. He can't afford to feed his family. He's poverty-stricken. So let me sell, 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 sell. And... And all I got left is this shirt. Who would buy it? Here you go. And that, it's, not, it's not much for that shirt. Right? Remember when we used to have garage sales? Right? We'd have them on Thursdays, right? Thursday, right? Thursday mornings, right? We'd, we'd have those garage sales. And, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to barter away and I'm going to make some money here. And then, oh God, okay, guys, this, this TV or whatever is going to be, you know, 50 bucks. Thank you. And then we keep walking. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking I bought it for 300 Like, what are you talking about, right? Now, people want something that's dirt cheap. Okay, how about 30 25 Seriously? <laughs> What's the point of this? <laughs> right? I'm not making any money. But see, this individual sold everything. The only other option he has, listen, listen. The only other option he has is to keep his daughter and start. Now, us here, right, in the, living in the United States, it's very hard to be in this situation because we have so, so many welfare programs. Thank God. I was a part of that years ago. Thank God, right? We have a nation that is benevolent like that, is kind. So we, we can't really fathom that, right? You got to understand, this is thousands of years ago, right? 
in the Middle East. And there were situations where people were in dire straits, dire straits. We think we have it tough, right? Um, you know, oh, there's no oatmeal this week in H-E-B? Really? Oh, I suffer, Lord. Oh, my gosh. This is all for you. Like, I'm taking up my cross, right? And it's like, whatever, like, it's just oatmeal. Come down, right? That's me. That's me whenever there's no oatmeal, by the way. <laughs> I don't say all that other stuff, though. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but in reality, in the past, there were situations such as those. desperate. People were desperate. So desperate. Can you imagine being so desperate that you're thinking, either I hold on to my daughter right, and die, or I sell her into slavery and live? She lives, I live. We're going to get more into that, okay? Even just with that, it still sounds a little like, whoa, okay? Just come on, hold on. But listen. Listen, even under such rare, everybody say rare. rare. Now, it was, not, it was not like this was happening every day, guys. You understand that? Very rare. As a matter of fact, in the same, in the same parashat, we have the commandment that says, if a, a child will curse father and mother, he shall die. Right? If a, a, a child will strike his father and mother, he shall die. Right? And we think, oh my gosh, really? So they're going out to the field and just, vamonos, boom, boom, boom. It's just like target practice. You know, whatever. Not at all. Do you realize that what the sages say is that, number one, first of all, this has to go to court first. Judges, slow and deliberate. The sages teach that if there was a person convicted and sentenced to death within 70 years, 70, that's a person's lifetime. That is a murderous Sanhedrin. Those are murderous judges. What? Once in 70 years? You've gone too far. Whoa. So please don't, please erase that from your mind that they're just trying to target practice. It's it's not not like that at all. Listen, and only under such rare, very rare, and desperate circumstances is the father allowed, hear me, allowed to sell his underage daughter, which means she has to be under 12 and a half. 12 and a half now is the age of purity, age of maturity, and that is her bat, bat mitzvah age. Now she's considered a woman. She is a, she's a full woman in the eyes of God. This reminds me of, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Cinderella Man. Not Cinderella. Cinderella Man. It's about Jimmy Braddock, boxer, who was doing great, and then came the Great Depression. Talk about dire straits. The Great Depression had people in dire straits. Desperate. Well, what were they doing? They were running out of money. They They were in debt left and right. And so Jimmy and May, his wife, they're talking. They're in their home, and they're like, I've sold everything that anybody would buy. Just like, and May replies, her husband, her, his wife replies, you know what? I think we should pack the kids. I should, we, what is, what are, you, what are you talking about? You pack the kids in a suitcase? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think we should send the kids off to other family members that can take care of them. We can't. And Jimmy was like, no, 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 no. We're going to stick together. We're going to get through this and all this and that, right? But see, she wanted to move the kids away. 
Not because she wanted to, but because they were in dire, they were in a desperate situation. Who would want to send their kids off? Nobody, no parent would. In 2021, this last year, 140,000 unaccompanied minors, unaccompanied kids came to the United States, to our shores, through the valley, especially. Not just through the valley, right, through all the borders. 140,000 unaccompanied. What does that mean? They came by themselves. Mom and dad said, go, find a better life. Because here in Guatemala, Honduras, and what's the other, what's the other nation? Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. Thank you. Those are the, now, it's not just those. There's more. Mexico and other countries in, South, in Central America. Those are the main ones right there. Those three are the largest population of kids because there, it's hard. Not just about economically, but through violence. There's a lot of like we think we 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 know gang violence, right? I see some little punk kids, you know, doing little gang signs or whatever, you know, slapping each other. We think that's gang violence. That's not gang violence. Go down there, you you you'll experience gang violence. It's dangerous, right? One hundred forty thousand. I think, what is a parent thinking, right? And what do we do? We take broad steps and we judge them. How dare you let your kid go by himself? And you got to take slow, deliberate steps here. For a parent to do that, that many parents to do that, times must, man, it must be really tough down there. I can't judge because I don't live there. I don't know what's going on there. See, it's not much different with our parasha. It's not much, much different with this father who's in a similar situation. That's like, this is all I got left. This is all I can do. Listen, people who read and teach these verses without the oral Torah, this is how we portray Judaism and Torah. Okay? The Jews are wild bandits, right, out there in the, in the desert, in Israel, right? And we're selling, the ki- they're just selling their kids, they're selling their daughters, right, on the black market or in slave auctions like in the Old South. See, that's, when I hear the word slavery, that's all I've been taught is the Old South, right? And that was horrible and terrible. And nothing, let me, I, let me repeat, I haven't even said it yet. Nothing, let me repeat, nothing, nothing like what the Torah commands. Let me repeat that. Again, the slavery in the Old South is not Torah at all. You're going to see why here. But that's what we picture. Slave auctions, right? You've got all these slave auctions going on, and dads are thinking, how much can I get for you, mija? Right? How much can I get for you? Man, you know, I could really use, you know, a, a new car. You know, <laughs> right? We're thinking along the, that's how it's portrayed. But then we read the oral Torah, and we find out its actual intent and practical application. Friends, there was no human trafficking in Israel that we have today here in the United States, especially in all over the world. Everything had to be done through judges, friends. It had to be legal. It had to be legal. No black markets, no uh, dark web <laughs> stuff. None of that. The sale had to be slow and deliberate. Now, let's use logic for a second. Before we get into really in-depth here, let's use logic for a second about this mishpat, about this, this commandment. How productive 
would a five-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old slave be? Have you thought about that? Remember, she's got to be under 12 and a half, right? Just how productive is she going to be as a slave? Uh, well, you know what? If you're buying her to play hopscotch, right, to play uh, hide-and-go-seek, to play jacks. Anybody remember jacks? Marbles, maybe? Oh, no, that's, that's guys. Sorry. The girl, right? Uh, Barbies, whatever. Right? Hey, she'd be great. She'd be great. But you're not hiring her for that, according to our mentality of slavery. Plus, listen, you know what the maximum amount of time you have with her is? Six years or until she reaches puberty. So you bought her at 10 years old. You only got two and a half years. Is that, think about it logic. Is that even practical? Like, is that wise at all, financially? No. So, because it's so impractical, regarding what we think of slave labor, there has to be more to it. There has to be more to it. Otherwise, listen, Hashem would not have made it a law. Who made the law again? Hashem. The sale of the daughter. Here we go. Let's explain it. The sale of the daughter is made under only three conditions. Three conditions. This is, this is a condition. Number Well, obviously, the man has to be in dire straits. Okay. Number one. The master who makes the purchase of the daughter will eventually marry her when she is of age. Not as a little girl. She is of age. Okay, that's number one. Number two, he will give her to his son, who's obviously, obviously going to be much younger, closer in age, to his son, and they will marry. Number three option she will be redeemed by her father who sold her into slavery in the first place once he's back on his feet. Right? Explore these real quick. As a result, the sale price is designated as a dowry. Have you guys heard the word dowry before? Right? It's still used today in cultures like in Asia and places like that. Um, basically what it is is there's different types of dowry. This is a bride dowry. So it's basically insurance money that is given to the in-laws, the suegros, right? And they hold on to it in case the husband passes away or there's a divorce. She can always come home and there's some insurance money for her. She can get back on her feet, okay? So the money he's paying, he's giving the dad, is considered the dowry, like insurance money for her, okay? Now, according to Orha Chaim, volume 4, page 35. When the Torah says in our verse, she shall not leave like the slaves leave. She shall not leave like the slaves leave. It means that she will not leave in the seventh year. Because regular slaves, once it's year seven, you're free. Even better, year 50, Yovel, we, we know it as Jubilee. The Jubilee year, all slaves are free. But this, this young lady will not leave as such. Why? She will acquire a permanent residence in her master's domain or his son's domain by being taken in marriage. And by the way, who's buying the girl? Is it going to be a fellow pauper 
a fellow person. He can't afford it. Is it going to be someone that just graduated from UTRGV, right, and is in debt $30,000? No. Guess who's going to buy? A wealthy man who wants to fulfill a mitzvah, a commandment to elevate a Jew who is in dire straits. Let me help you get up. And in helping you get up, you know what? I'm not just helping your family. I'm helping your daughter. She's going to be elevated and marry into a filthy rich nation. Either through the master or through the son. Or, best case scenario, she goes back to the family because they're back on their feet. And she's redeemed. This is the only reason the father would ever even consider such a sale. The only reason. If he thought, how much can I make off of you? I need a new car. I need a new donkey or whatever. I need a new chicken. (laughs) Right? Uh, Sorry, bud. Remember, this all has to go through the judges. The judges said, "Uh, buddy, let's let's study the Torah together, buddy. (laughs) You you don't understand what this means. The answer is no. You can't do that. Now, not only does she get to survive, but she gets to thrive. She's elevated to a higher station. Now, according to the Talmud in Kiddushin 19.8, this marriage, which is called Yud, by the way, Yud, Y-I-U-D, Yud, is effective, listen to this, only with the maidservant's consent. Everybody say consent. You know what consent means? Approval. Thumbs up. Only if she says yes, and she cannot be pressured to say yes. Do you want to marry me? No. Okay. Is it me? <laughs> right? The, the son. Do you want to marry me? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go. Right? Let's go. She says no. All bets are off. Listen, this is what the verse says. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master. This is the original verse we just read. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master, who should have designated her for himself. You hear that? What does that mean? He should have designated her in marriage for himself. And we read on. It says, or he can be designated for his son. If that doesn't happen, if he does not do that, he shall assist in her redemption. What does that mean? To go back to her family. See, how do, we, how do we get this? The Hebrew word for designated is ye'ada. Everybody say ye'ada. Ye'ada is a Hebrew word, word which is connected to the Hebrew word that means knowledge or consent, which is de'a. Listen, ye'ada, de'a. Hear that similarity? Ye'ada, de'a. Consent. So to be designated, you need a consent from the master or his son but especially from the girl. Now, if she says no, again, she says, no, I'm not going to marry you. Oh, no. Ew. <laughs> right? Ew. The son, I, no. <laughs> She's not my type. Whatever. Whatever reason, right? Whatever reason. She can, say, she can literally just say it. No, that's it. Come on, please. No, I don't want you. You know what? You got to cancel the mariachi band. Cancel the DJ. No, 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 cancel the menu, the venue, the seating. Cancel it all. Right? Now the, 
Master is required to assist in her redemption by, listen, by deducting the price for her redemption. Because she's got to be bought back by the family. She worked three years. I'm going to reduce that price. And work out a payment plan. Work out something. Because the whole goal is not her to be my slave. The whole goal is for you guys to survive, for her to survive, or for her to be elevated to a higher social station. If none of that's working out, let's get her back to the family. I hope this is making sense to everybody. Man, this is just like amazing to me. Because you read the Torah by itself, no oral Torah, you're like, oh, yikes, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> or they say in, in Britain, right, blimey, right? Oh, my goodness. Now, and listen, why would the master not help in her redemption? Why would he not? That was the whole purpose of the whole thing anyways. He would definitely help. You see God's mercy and grace here? I hope you do. And God willing, nobody on this planet, unfortunately there are people, but God willing, I mean, nobody can get to that point where they will be even willing to, to contemplate such a thing. Unfortunately there is. But you got to understand, What's the alternative? What was the alternative for this young lady and her family? Starvation and death. So, it is a temporary solution for a permanent salvation. Did you guess that? It is a temporary solution. Remember, she's only there for a little while, and then she gets married, then she's there forever, right? Temporary solution for her permanent salvation. You hear salvation, don't, don't hear about heaven. I'm talking about salvation, like survival. Right? In life, we go through situations where we feel we've been sold into slavery, haven't we? Don't we? Right? We feel like, I'm being, I've, this is my lot in life? To be poor? Right? I, I'm like, this, this is, I've been sold into poverty. I've been sold into disease. I've been sold into a slavery of marital conflict. I've been sold into a, a, a um, what do you call it, a slavery of bullying, being bullied, right? Being picked on. Understand, all those are temporary, everybody say temporary. temporary, situations that are designed to do one thing, to lift our eyes up. Where else do you have to look? Right? Daniel, help me out, bud. Shh. Bro, I'm gonna pray for you, bro. I, I mean, I'm gonna hug you and you know, and and do what I can. But hey, what you need, what you need is beyond my help, right? Hey, Shava, come on, do me a, do me a solid, do me a solid. <laughs> I'll do you a solid, but it's it's a little solid. You need a big solid. You, I mean, you just like you, you need something. You need a miracle, right? It's all designed to lift our eyes to the Redeemer. Redeemer, she shall be redeemed to the Redeemer. For a permanent salvation. Listen to Yeshayahu 44.6. Isaiah 44.6. Listen to this. Thus says. I don't think he said that. <laughs> Thus says Hashem. Israel's king. And listen. And his redeemer. Ever say redeemer. redeemer. Adonai Sevaot. The Lord. Uh, Adonai Sevaot. The Lord. A master of legions. 
Listen to what he says. I am the first and the last, and there is no God beside me. Okay, how does that point to what we're talking about here? Hashem is the one. He's the beginning of everything, right? He created any, everything. But he's the last. He has the last say in your life. Not your situation, not your temporary situation. He has the redemption. He has the last word in our lives. And that last word is redemption. Now, let's kind of bring this to a close here. See, that's, hopefully that opens your eyes to the Mishpat, to the Mishpat, to the, this, these commands, okay? Amazing. But now let's go deeper. Okay, I'm going to do this quick. Now we, that was Peshat. That was basic level. Now we're going Remes. Going deeper to the hints, hints in Torah. <clears throat> according to Remes, this is according to Orchachaim. He explains that the Ish, the man, the Ish is man in Hebrew. The man who's selling his daughter into slavery is Hashem. This is the man, Hashem. Oh, who's he selling to slavery? The daughter is Israel. Who has been sold into slavery of exile among the nations. You know how many years we've been in exile? 1,953 and counting. It's a long time. How do you know? Because the temple was destroyed in 70. Just do the math. 2023, 70. 1,953 years. That's a long time to be sold into slavery. Into ex- slavery of exile. <clears throat> In the nations, how are Jews viewed? Not here. Like the, the football players and the basketball players, right? right? The, ba- the football player goes up. The cornerback's right here. He goes up. Brings on the, the, the ball. Touchdown. And then he goes like this. You're too small. You're too small. <laughs> Basketball players do the same thing. You're too small. That's, that's, that's us. Otherwise, think about it. Would we not be jam-packed in here? Would we not? You go to any shul. Any shul. A normative orthodox shul. We've been there. Plenty. They're not busting at the seams, friends. They're not busting at the seams. Why? You're too small. <laughs> We're down here. Therefore, we've been stamped with a mark of slave. Slavery. But, 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 when the appointed time for our redemption arrives, and friends, it's coming. Okay? It's coming. That should get everybody excited. That redemption is coming. It will be difficult, though, to uproot our inferior status. 1,953 years. You got to erase that? Right? From this to this? How are you going to do that? Or Chaim expounds on our verse. She shall not leave as slaves leave. She shall not leave as slaves leave. Man, friends, I le- just so you guys know, I left, so- I left out so much more. <laughs> There's like so much more, but I got to, you know, compact this. But listen, this is what, this is what or Chaim expounds here. 
to this end, the Holy One, blessed is He, promises that this redemption of the nation will not come about in the way that Hashem took us out of Egypt when we were slaves. The miracles, the miracles were limited to one country, Egypt. Did the news spread? Yeah. But one country saw this. Instead, our redemption will be done with extraordinary miracles. Whoa, 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 whoa. Weren't those already extraordinary? <laughs> Extra, extraordinary. That will be publicized throughout the whole world in order to completely uproot, uproot this label of slaves from us. So in other words, friends, we think and we always look back to the redemption from Egypt and we say, wow, the... the the Seder's coming up. Besok Seder's coming up. It's all going to be about that. Every day in our prayers, it's all about that. Right? That was already, wow, mind-boggling. Can you imagine? That's not compared to how our redemption was going to take place. Those miracles are going to be worldwide. All the world will see. Man, that's exciting. Hikalut, Revelation 22, verse 12. Yeshua our master, our redeemer. Listen to what he says. And here's where we close. Behold, I am coming soon. Now soon for him is very different from soon for us. <laughs> right? Soon for him is uh, at 120. Right? It's 118 right at 120. Right? Uh, but his soon is very, very different. Okay? Nevertheless, he's coming soon. And listen to what he, he says. And my reward is with me. I can't wait to see that reward. That reward is with him. To pay back each one, each one, according to his deeds. What did you do? What did you do? So we'll be judged according to what we do. I thought we weren't supposed to work, right? No works, no that. So what? We just give our life to Yeshua and you give me a beer, hun? Right? Like we just chill. What? No. Now we get to work. <laughs> now we do our deeds. Now we follow the mishpatim. Now we follow the commandments. Right? He's going to reward us according to that. And listen to how he ends here. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha, first, first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega, the first, last letter of the Greek alphabet. Or you can say, I am the Aleph and the Tav. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Friends. That's Yeshua's message for us. No matter how inferior you may feel, you may feel like, I'm too small. Right? You may feel inferior in your life. doesn't matter how you feel. Understand that Yeshua is looking to reward those who keep doing, who keep doing despite how we feel. We keep doing what? His mishpatim, His ordinances, His commandments, despite how we feel and despite how we are being treated. Friends, I don't get a lot of respect. I'm pretty sure you don't get a lot of respect, right? Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Oh, everybody's disrespecting you? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying like, I walk into a room and they're like, it's the Jew. And they all rush to me like, oh my gosh, sir, can you have my seat? Please take my seat, sir. Like, nobody's doing, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's doing that. There's no great honor. It's, it's more like, okay, all right, right? But no matter how inferior you may feel in your life, Yeshua is looking to reward those who keep doing His commandments. 
He has the last say. He has the last say. You know what the last day is? Redemption. We are those maidservants that have been sold into exile, whose deeds are being recorded and will be rewarded. You like that? Uh, I stayed up all night thinking about that. Uh, I got I to gotta drop some bars today. <laughs> Our deeds are being recorded and will be rewarded. Amen. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for your Torah. Thank you for your message, Father of of the, the father who is so desperate, Father, that he's willing to sell his daughter to slavery for survival, for her to thrive, Father, be elevated, and the family to be elevated. Thank you, Father, for this understanding through your oral Torah. Thank you, Father. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to understand, to understand the value, the value of your, of your mishpatim, of your decrees, of your, of your ordinances, Lord. Father, help us, Lord, to understand that we are to take slow, deliberate steps in all that we do, Father. Help us, Lord, every day, Lord, to seek to understand and empathize with those around us, Father. They may be struggling, Father. And help us, Lord, in our struggles, in our mentality of probably slavery in certain areas in our lives, feeling like we're inferior, Father. Help us remember that, Lord, you have the last word in our lives. That last word is redemption. And that redemption, Father, that is to come through Yeshua returning, oh, Lord, we can't wait to see as we pray at the end of every Shachanit. For your salvation, I do long. I do long for your salvation. Thank you. In the name of Yeshua, Mashiach. Through. Hallelujah.